right. Welcome, everybody, to Share From That X, episode 39, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. Uh, joining you from Colorado, we have John Gillen, and I am broadcasting from Chiang Mai in northern Thailand uh, in my lovely, white, pristine hotel room. Uh, well, my girlfriend has gone to map. Anybody, find it on a map. <laughs> That's it. Um, so, John, how you been? It's been a while. It has been a while. It's, it's uh, wow, it's, it's been busy. I've been practicing a lot more, which has been good. Part what a role role. I've, I've set aside some of these goals and things like, like, for example, to finally be able to play Eugene's trick bag all the way through. So I know, oh. I, keep, I, know I keep banging on about it, but we'll do a video. Or, yeah. Uh, and it'll be it'll be a thing, and people will see it, and they will all laugh because that's what, <laughs> that's what internet trolls do. So that's what they do, yeah, yeah. Staying busy. How about yourself, man? Yeah, good. I yesterday, I well, two days ago, I left uh, Luang Prabang, which is in Laos, uh, to travel to here, Chiang Mai, and I left Luang Prabang at five p.m on Wednesday and arrived in Chiang Mai in my hotel at 4 p.m. yesterday. So 23 hours of travel. Great googly moogly. So for those of you who aren't on our Twitter feed, shame on you, get on the Twitter feed. But uh, you would have known that we are a little bit delayed in getting this episode out because apparently the internet in Laos, or Laos if you're an American, uh, (laughs) apparently the internet is terrible there. And when Dylan and I spoke just over the internet conversation phone, however you want uh-huh. to put it, whatever it Facebook. was, Facebook Messenger or something, we had about a three-second delay. So we realized we could not possibly record. So here we are, a little bit late, but nevertheless, still getting it done. Still getting it done. So let's start, as we always do, with Paddle Talk. John, it is my turn this week. So have you got my, uh, not Paddle Talk, sorry, I am on high time uh it is lick of the week so john have you got it my lick of the week lick of the week i have failed at getting the lick of the week up that's so. quite all right i'll give you a little bit of background this is by a guitarist that i hopefully have not put this lick up before i don't think i have and um, but <laughs> it's getting to that point where it's like have we done this have we do- i'm not going back to past episodes ain't nobody got time for that so <laughs> except uh, you dear listener please go back and listen to the past episodes <laughs> I uh, yeah. Either way, if if you if I put it up before, which I don't think I have, you can uh, you can listen to it again. <laughs> At least in theory, I should know it this time. There you go. Oh man, I jeez. It sounds a bit like Tom Morello. Good, 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 good. Same time era as that. Same era. Ooh. Um would it be sort of a similar genre? You're not a million miles away, John. Uh, um ooh. It's 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 hard to tell. Um other ones that I could see would be it's not really John Frusciante esque. It is John Frusciante. It is John Frusciante. Oh okay. So okay. you had John Frusciante like before, but not this one. So No. No. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that was that was kind of I, I was leaning towards it, but I was like, it sounds a little bit like that sort of in between period when he wasn't with the Peppers, but then uh, and before he came back, and what was it, Dave Navarro? Dave, sexy Dave Navarro. Yeah, right? Man, that guy had more eyeliner than all of Poison. But <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, yes, this is uh, actually from, this is Mellowship Slinky in B Major from the Red Hot Chili Peppers 1991 release, uh, Blood Sugar oh. Sex Magic. My favorite Chili Peppers album, uh, possibly one of my favorite guitar albums ever. Uh, yeah, one thing I really like it is that it takes what should be the rules of music and basically breaks all of them. It's pretty much all chromatic. It's, you know, 
It just he's just going up and down the the A string with Flea, and it's just there's a beautiful kind of syncopation thing going on. And I remember when I first heard that, I was like, oh, what is that? Uh, the first time I heard it was I was watching this documentary on the Chili Peppers recording that album called Funky Monks. It, basically, they all shacked up in a big haunted Hollywood mansion, and there's amazing live footage of them actually recording that song in the studio. So that really got me onto that album and the guitar in general. So yeah, Jump Shante, Mellowship Slinky in B major. So you like E? Yeah, that's fun, man. That's uh, that's going to have to be, we'll talk about it when we get to what we've been working on, but uh, that might have to be something I'll pick up here soon. It doesn't seem like it would be too hard, but it seems like it would be fun. So Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we are on to pedal talk. So we are going to talk a little bit about NAM, not Vietnam. Nam, N A M M. Job for the uninitiated. Redo that bit, you glitched. <laughs> so, we are going to talk about Nam, not Vietnam, but N A M M. John, for the uninitiated, what is Nam? Nam, Nam. You weren't there, man. You weren't there. Uh, My own personal Nam's name. North American Music Merchants, I believe, is what it is. And basically, it is. If you imagine a guitar center that is the size of a city block, that's what it is. And that's what it sounds like, too. So a guitar center on a Saturday, for that matter. So when right. nobody has anything to do. But exactly. what's cool about it is everyone brings out their new stuff, all their new wares. There's artists everywhere. Everyone's endorsing and checking out stuff. And so it's, it's a cool place to be. We missed it this year. Shame on us. But we're looking at maybe hopefully getting there in the summer. So, yep. yeah, maybe. I don't know. But we'll see. We'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Anyway, but what we decided to do was we would each go through and pick two of the most exciting things that we found in the whole of NAM, which is a lot. I spent a fair bit of time combing through stuff trying to find something interesting. Fair play. A lot of a lot of boring stuff from your usual people like Fender and Gibson who are like, no, with a cutaway that's kind of like has an F hole on it, but it's not an F hole because it's cool. That was. I'm going to stop you there. Didn't Gibson, uh, in protest, not go to Nam this year? I don't know. I I was to be honest, I didn't see that, but I did see that they they had that. That, that weird thing that I just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> the weird F-hole. Yes, yeah. I believe Music is Wind did a video about how it was a really good strategy of them not to go to NAM this year. But I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe they didn't go, but they still released new stuff. I, Very possible. I don't know. Like, Great. Now we're showing our ignorance. Uh, okay. Or anyway, I did some research. John, do you want to tell us? Well, can you give us one of your picks for now? Gear? Okay. So loads and loads of pedals, lots of cool things, weird things, things that I was like, not sure this is useful in any way. Like the, uh, the Alexander pedals color theory and that's proper color with a U and it, it's an amazing like eight step eight step sequencer but i just can't see a way to use it so for example things okay. like that what i one of the ones that i did find was kind of cool was the plasma pedal and so the plasma pedal is by game changer audio yeah i saw this tell me more okay so what it is it's just it's a normal stomp box um, except what it does is it transforms your signal into a high voltage discharge through a xenon filled tube. So it, and it lights up there on the floor too. But what that means is essentially it's like when you turn on a neon light, which is usually filled with something like xenon, it sends this electrical charge through it and lights it up. Well, the tube's the same way, except when you play, it sends your signal as an electrical charge through this xenon tube, and then it bounces around, and then it reinterprets the audio. It reinterprets the light as audio on the other side, and so it's all—it's always different. It's and it's you know if you attack harder, the light bounces around more, and it gets crazy, and it's just yeah, and it's heavy. It's super heavy. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm very intrigued to what that might sound like. Yes, well, check it out. Uh, Game Changer Audio, and it is the Plasma Pedal. 
And it has kind of this, it is a little bit of a classic kind of fuzz pedal sound, but at the same time, it just, all the overtones are going crazy on the thing just because yeah, it's, yeah, it bounces around a whole lot. So it's, it's a really interesting pedal. I thought it was a really cool idea. I don't know that I could say I would buy one if I, if I was like, oh, what I really need is a fuzz pedal, I don't know, or a distortion pedal. I don't know that I would buy it, but I would definitely buy it as a toy because, <laughs> wow, <laughs> super cool. Plus, it, you know, it's, it's sort of like a little mini Tesla coiled thing on the floor, and it lights up in your face. It's amazing. Anyway, wow. every now and again, you need like a sound that will make the guitar nerds go, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, exactly. That's if if you need one of those. That's not an Earthquaker pedal. Then this is definitely one of those things. So, anyway, what about you? Your first pick. So I'm going for something. It's it's traditional, but it's not at all. And um, so this is from JHS Edels, and it's called the Bonsai. Have you heard of it? Yes. This? Oh, I nearly picked it. Nearly picked it. But yeah, go ahead. So, so yeah, this is <laughs> the way I uh, the way I, I picked it up was I was looking through different things. And I was like, everybody's sick of the Tube Screamer and Tube Screamer reissues, but what about this? Nine Tube Screamers in one. <laughs> right. Insane. So it's a one like one stomp box, four control, four tone, four knob stomp box essentially but it has nine modes of the each one of them is a different tube screamer so you've got the you've got the first one which is the od1 which came out in 1977 it's kind of like just it's it's used for boosting amps and then you've got the classic you've got the ts808 you know the low gain and you've got like good mid-range and then you've got the ts9 and you know more of a low mid-range on that and then, like, I thought that Tube Screamers stopped there, but I was mistaken because there's clearly, like, six more. <laughs> <laughs> You've got, like, the... I'm just going to read through some descriptions here. The MSL Power or L series, which came out in 1985. Right. Uh, got a bit of more of a higher gain sound with a lower end. And it says on uh, J- the website, it says, an overall more gooey feel. That's, you know, make what you will of that. <laughs> then you have the TS-10, which is came out in 1986, made famous by John Mayer uh, for his, like, you know, I'm stealing Stevie Ray Vaughan's blues licks. Uh-huh. Uh, the XR OD-1, which is a Polish-made TS-style pedal, a bit different in sound, but it's got a slightly more transparent feel. Don't know what that means. And I'll quickly read through the final three. You've got the TS7 plus mode, which is basically the highest gain sound you can get. Uh, it's got a bit more dirty. And um, you can look through demos of all these online. A few people have done demos of all the different settings. And it's really cool. And then you've got the Red Dirt. You've got the Robert Keeley Classic mod oh, uh, from no. 2002. And then you've got the... J, the final one is the JHS Strong mod, which came out in 2008. So it's it's the the JHS their own mod. So like I like it's basically if you are looking for like if you are a blues player or a rock player or even like you want something to kind of boost your sound. I mean, like everybody's used some sort of tube screamer from like the Edge to Santana to Stevie Ray. Uh, it's not out yet. It's 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 available for pre-order, but it comes out for about two hundred and twenty-nine dollars. So that's not that bad if you're looking to like you know change your tone mid-gig from one tube screamer to another. Yeah, no kidding. That's that's a that's a good price too. I mean, and it's JHS JHS. Uh, they're good. They're always good quality gear, and at that price, it's it's sort of like if you were to buy a Keeley pedal that had nine pedals in it. Yeah. You know, it's, that's a good price. It's, it's funny, like, at the end, I was wondering, can they do that? Like, can they rip off all these pedals? And at the bottom of the article, there's the words Ibanez, Boss, Roland, Tube Screamer, TS9, 808, etc. are registered trademarks. The JHS, that is hard to say, Pedals Bonsai is in no way affiliated or endorsed by Ibanez, Boss, Roland, Tube Screamer, etc. etc. Clearly, like being cheeky monkeys and have stolen 
all these sounds, but I am intrigued by this. It definitely stuck out to me. Um, John, you have one more choice to talk about. I do, I do. I, you know, so there were loads of guitars. I was complaining about some of the stuff that came out and some of the, like, lackluster stuff from Fender, like their, what the heck was that, that like their alternate universe series. Like, yes, what if, them. what if a Telecaster was actually a Stratocaster? Whoa! Like, running out of ideas. Yeah, exactly. But I was I was intrigued by this company Ormsby from Australia. Okay. So Ormsby is they apparently, of course, last year came out with the eighteen string gent guitar. Uh, oh my god. Which is just absolutely ridiculous. The I gotta something that Ormsby button. itself calls unfathomable. Uh, is what the article I came across says. <laughs> However, they have this new, they have a new headless guitar with chambered bodies. And so it's, it's extra light and special hardware on it. The, you can also customize the pickups a little bit for what oh, you Oh, John, that is hideous. That is the ugliest guitar. <laughs> What's that, 18 string one? Oh my God. This is what happens when you let comedians design instruments. Um, uh, wow. Sorry, I have to have a look at that. People, Google that. Google the Ormsby Gent guitar. It is... Yeah, it's... That'll it's, my nightmares. It's, really, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Yeah, I think uh, Jared Deans played it. Um, it's... Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, Wow. It's a hideous looking instrument. It really is. It sort of looks like the uh the Chapman stick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It, it but little... um and wow, it's that's a that a whole tree went into building that thing. However, the Goliath though is I, I don't know, I think it's a gorgeous looking guitar. Uh, I like the fact that it's very ergonomic. It does have the fan fret features, it's available in six, seven, and eight strings with some absolutely gorgeous finishes um, that I, well, at least I think they're gorgeous. They're, they're pretty to look at. And the, the price for these run right around um, between 1700 and 1800 for essentially made to order guitars. And I think that's, that's a great deal, great hardware, great instrument, uh, a small builder that's doing some great stuff. I, I'm impressed, intrigued, wouldn't mind purchasing one myself, particularly at those prices. You're, you're not going to find a better looking guitar at a better price, I think. So. Yeah, I love hearing about small builders kind of putting stuff out there with original ideas. And yeah, that looks really nice, actually. It kind of, it's, it's kind of subtle a little bit. Like, it's not like, it's not like a, you know, it hasn't got a, a monkey grip handler. <laughs> you know, it's very, it's kind of tasteful. <laughs> right. It's tasteful. Really like their, uh, their SX customs are again, just brilliant looking guitars, great finishes. I like what they do. And I'm intrigued by the Goliath in particular, which is what they unveiled at NAMM. So staying on topic, but, uh, <laughs> speaking of what about you, you've got one more, yeah? I've got one more. Yeah. Okay. So this is my choice. Now this is coming back. I wanted to kind of bring it back to something we talked about before somewhat extensively, which is the Boss Katana. Now Boss have unveiled a new type of Katana because of course they have. Hello? <laughs> uh, yes, it is the uh, Boss Katana Artist. Did you see this, John? Uh, I don't. Yes, 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 I did. Yeah. So, um, of course, like I deci- I've decided that once I come home to Ireland, I'm going to buy a katana. And now they've brought out a better one, which is more expensive. <laughs> Typical. Um, but yeah, so basically this is very similar. If, if you told me that this was just the regular katana, it looks exactly the same. But this has better feature, well, more and kind of, they've kind of, they've, smoothed over the roughness of the katana with some with a few more features so you've kind of got um kind of a more of a cabinet sound you've got like a a better speaker in it to make it sound more like a tube amp as opposed to you know when i first saw this amp i thought you know the katana the first thing that jumped to my brain was line six modeling spider 
Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I know. But this is basically they've they've put in a better cab into it to give it more of a full sound. Uh, one thing that I think you'd really like, John, is they have uh, basically the boss katana. The, the, the one thing that they have is they have a, a new setting on the, the the amp, which is the brown setting, which is the iconic 80s metal setting. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. So is you in chorus too? Uh, I, I, undoubtedly so. You have the clean crunch and lead as standard, and you also have the acoustic, which I really like because I play a fair share of acoustic guitar through an amp. Uh, well, I did when I before I left forever, and uh, you, which is still there, but you've also got this this eighties brown sound made popular by Eddie Van Halen. Of course. Um, basically, what's kind of what's what's new about this? I have a few things here listed. Um, you have fifty eight customizable boss effects. You have like fifteen. Uh, you can do like fifteen pre saves. I'm I'm not really doing it justice here with this. With you know with my look at it but you really should check it out the thing is what we praised the katana before for was that it was so affordable but this is a bit on the pricier side it is available now and it probably will go down in price but right now you're looking at six hundred dollars so yeah i know i know and, and they only have a hundred watt as well that's all it comes with right now so yeah i mean too it's much. cheaper than looking at like a line six helix uh, it is. Though Line 6 did just come out with their HX, which is essentially a helix on a pedal board. So... Wow, okay. Well, maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, it's kind the of reviews have been really, really positive. Uh, but like, you're, like I said, like, you know, if you want a Katana 100, you're paying maybe, I don't know, 349, and then you're going up to like 599. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit of a... It's it's a bit of a and even looking at the so you can store up to more you can store more effects at one time but I'm just looking at there's like a comparison page on the Streetwater Guide and I think you'd be much better off going with an actual like regular katana um, but yeah anyway it stood out to me I, I I thought it was really cool if it was cheaper I would have it uh, as like a must go get when I go home thing but nice. right now it's, it's interesting that they're doing it. So an, an interesting side note, kind of a side side note, I guess. Yes. The, yes. <laughs> the Axe FX3 was released, and, and they had I it on NAM. And um, it comes with 2,200 cab models. What? What, what are you going to do with 2,200 cab models? When twenty one hundred is enough, to sit there and figure out which one is the best sounding cab model for what you're trying to do. That's kind of what I want to know. But it looks yeah. like they, they've improved the interface. You know, we kind of bashed them for the dot matrix thing. It looks like it's a little bit better, maybe more user friendly. So that's maybe. that. Kudos to them. But uh, it's it has more of that line six layout to it. Yeah, which is good. I haven't seen the price tag for it yet, but if I had to guess, no less than probably 22 to 25. Yeah, a couple of Gs anyway. Yeah. But there cool. you have it. I, I, that's not really an honorable mention. It's just, it's something I noticed. It's a thing that's out there. <laughs> it exists. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, John, for our main topic today, you wanted to talk about something a little bit different to guitar playing, though it does involve guitar playing, which is songwriting. Yes, and I think I think songwriting can be construed a little bit as, oh, it's just writing lyrics and putting a melody to the lyrics. But I think there's a lot of other key components. And the practice of songwriting is something, whether you're an instrumentalist or you're a vocalist or you're a singer songwriter or whatever. It's something that is a broader topic. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. But I, I love hearing people's process on how they, they write songs. For me, my process is extremely slow and filled with self doubt. So yeah, well, uh, that's good, but that's good. But I think, I think, 
that tends to be like there's there is always that self doubt process anyway. But I'm curious for you, what is what do you usually start with? Do you usually start with a melodic idea or is it a harmonic idea? Are you playing some chords and you kind of hum something over it, or is it even lyrical? Do you start with a couple of words and then build the melody from there? What what does that yeah. look like for you? I think that there's there's a few I I've toyed with different ways. So for people that know, I I write songs. I've put out a few EPs, and I play with a backing band at home, and I've played gigs. I've played like different music festivals, and I've a you know I I haven't put out anything in a while, but I've got a plan for like releasing new material this year. So yeah, I've been songwriting for about seven or eight years, and it's just yeah I I've I've toyed with different ways to to basically approach things. Um, there's a few things that I do for, for when it comes to actually like constructing a song. Um, a lot of it comes with, I, I, I think the biggest tool in, in writing songs is my phone because it can help you not only just to save lyrics, um, but it can also help you to, if you want to save melodies and stuff, you've got most phones now come with a voice recorder or you'd have to uh, you know use a dictaphone or something along those lines. Um, but I think using a phone a to save... Cylinder, you know, <laughs> you're, you're calling home and you're ringing your answering machine and you know recording <laughs> stuff into that. Uh, yeah, so Just I think that's, sure that's a big tape. part of it. Um, what I like doing... See, the thing is, I've been listening to people's different experiences but like being creative and it's all achieving what's called a flow state now i'm not going to you know garble and ramble on about what a flow state is it's all about basically where you hit a, a point of doing something where you could be doing it for hours and it doesn't you know time doesn't really exist you just uh, you just get in the moment, in the zone, as you know, athletes would say. So I think with me, what I've tried to do, as uh, because I haven't been able to really write songs as as such, being abroad, what I've started doing is I've been doing 15 minutes of free writing a day. Um, there's this thing in the book, The Artist's Way, a very popular book on creativity, uh, called Morning Pages, which is basically when you wake up in the morning, you write. Um, she recommends three A4 pages and you don't stop until you finish it. Basically, kind of getting a stream of consciousness, uh, last chapter of Ulysses sort of mind frame going where every thought in your head is just going down, um, which I really like. I think if you, what I like to do with that, as opposed to going through what's in my mind, because, you know, when you're traveling, it's usually the same things keep on going through your mind. Will I have enough money for this hostel? Uh, would not make a good um, I kind of take a topic about something that I would like to write a song about, and I just basically just like spitball everything out, um, all these different bullet points, and I see how they could rhyme or go together. I've written maybe like four or five rough songs that I know how I want the verse and choruses to go. Um, just with like my crappy guitar over here and when I go home I look forward to kind of fleshing them out with you know more instruments and stuff like that but yeah I think free writing is a big thing as well kind of association and other aspects of songwriting I think are I remember I came up with this melody and I was really happy with how it went and I had like the drum rhythm and going in my head and I knew I could like hum it and clap along and I knew how it was going to go. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what kind of interesting chords I can put behind this. And at the end of the day, it was just like two chords, G to A. And I was like, so kind of like sickened with how simple it was harmonically. But, you know, if it works for people like Neil Young or Bob Dylan, you know, two or three chords, if that's all you need, then sometimes it's good to go with it. John Frusciante said that as well when he was writing the guitar parts for Stadium Arcadium, that sometimes like if, if the best chord that works is a C, just go with a C. You know, it's, it's all about like not trying to overcomplicate things. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's that's good advice. I have a tendency to do exactly that. I mean, surprise, surprise. Given all the nerds yeah. that I listen to, but it's. I, I think I think that's that's a really good way to put it. Just don't overcomplicate it, and just pick the chord that fits what what you're doing there. Yeah, I think learning new chords is something that I've also been trying to work out and like the construction of chords. Um, I, one thing that someone pointed out to me for like songwriting was like, look at the Beatles. The Beatles have a lot of weird chords in their music. Um, if you look at some of the, the chord mm -hmm. progressions that they use, like, but a lot of that is just, it's just building on seventh chords. Like learn all your seventh chords and then learn your ninths and your thirteenths and your elevens. 
just your extensions of that because if you just if you throw one of them in there it makes you look like such a more professional songwriter than just a like just a major just or, or seven it's just it's it's interesting um i recently wrote a song where i put a minor seven flat nine because i learned the shape and it worked really well and it's it's just i know it's just i think the more you learn the more you can use it's about building up a bit of a, a toolbox really yeah i like that i'm curious too when you're in the process of writing a song um there's always there's always a bit of a, a brick wall or something that that you tend to hit most people yeah. hit as they're writing how do you get over that what do you try to do to sort of get that next level whether it's you know figure out chords or a melody or, or where it goes in the chorus or something what do you what do you like to it's it's all about not trying to as cliche as it sounds it's all about kind of trying not to force it and um, sometimes like if I remember I was writing a bridge for a song. I had like verses and choruses and they were all worked fine. And then the bridge, I just couldn't come into anything that didn't sound cliche. So I took something else that I'd worked on and figured out how to change key. Um, you know, using the whole seventh chord, the, the three chord trick kind of change going from like, you know, uh, if you want to go from G to another chord, you just go to the seventh of the key that you want to change to. And, you know, there's people who can explain it much better than me. But it, it just basically find a way to change key. That can be a good way of doing it. And um, I think one of the things that I always like to do and that kind of really excites me as a songwriter is listening back on recordings that I've done and thinking about where I go next. And I play the recording and I'll sing along with it. And then when the recording stops, I'll keep singing along and see how, where it will go harmonically, where the melody could go. And um, one thing as well I, I've always liked is I heard this on a, uh, some famous songwriter said this, uh, basically write for the bin or for the, I think he said the waste paper basket. And yeah. um, just basically write as if nobody is going to hear it. Don't be afraid, you know, you're not going to get anywhere if you just, you're waiting for the perfect moment of inspiration. You just have to kind of write as much as you can and then filter through all the crap. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's, uh, Tchaikovsky always said that, creativity and composition is a discipline it's not an inspiration so the i think that that concept of hey we have to have this moment of inspiration is really faulty but instead what we just need to do is hone the craft of writing um no novelist just sits down and cranks out the first you know the greatest american novel or whatever yeah. With their first novel, the first time they sit down to write. No, they spend all this time writing. So it seems I, I, I like I like the point of just making sure that you're spending time practicing the craft of writing. Yeah, I, I think my, my favorite quote about writing in any sense, be it like, you know, creative writing or songwriting is writing is rewriting. Mm -hmm. It's it's it, I think it's like, you know, everybody says that every quote is associated with like either Einstein or Hemingway, but I think that last one is like writing is like looking back on what you've written and being able to go over or fix the parts that you don't like. You know, I, I, I like the idea of like cranking something out on a first draft sort of, you know, early white stripes. It's finally been all the mistakes idea, but I also like, you know, no being able to take something and do a better job. And sometimes it goes nowhere and sometimes it does and it goes, goes somewhere. And I don't know, I, it can be really frustrating, but I think for me as a musician, I think creating something that I'm happy with or finding a way to link a good verse and a good, good chorus, there's no better feeling in the world for me. I really, really, like, it, it just gives me a buzz like nothing else. It's just all about, like, you know, I think any sort of real fulfillment comes from seeing some sense of progress, really, with it. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, like, it just, like, that's 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 what it is if something if something works and you can see it working and you're you're happy with it as a songwriter that's really really important but i think also like if you're unsure about what to do just listen back to your favorite songwriters and kind of see what they do a lot of it is just stealing and um, my my favorite thing to do i mean my favorite songwriter is Tom Waits. And if you look at what he did in his early career towards like his later career, like his early songs were really nice jazzy chords, really like, you know, altered chords using all this hugely jazz influenced stuff. And then like he just stopped 
writing on piano. He started writing on guitar, which is something he could barely play. He knew like three chords and he just started writing songs with that. And I just found that really interesting. I've written songs on piano and basses before. And, you know, it's, it's weird. Sometimes switching up to an instrument you can't play very well can produce really good stuff. It's what's oh, that limited uh, creativity is the yeah. term we talked about yeah, it before. I, I, I like the, I, I really like the idea of limited creativity and just giving yourself like that block of time to just say, Hey, I'm going to create something and whatever it is, you might, That's it. you might not, but you know, it just, it's the, again, the practice of, of doing it. I think. Yeah. And, and there's loads of things you can do every day. You can like learn a new chord a day or you can, you know, uh, one thing as well that does help with songwriting is learning other people's songs and learning how chord progressions go. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to produce anything good if you haven't seen what other, what, what other people have done. You know, it's like becoming a really good guitar player. You're not going to be able to write, you know, a, a big Jason Becker style shred without like, learning the techniques to do it you know yeah absolutely well and not just the techniques but uh the the melodic content too. Yeah. How, how do you how do you and how do you build that and that's I, I think that's the other the other side of this too is like when you're writing guitar parts you're also all of this applies to those guitar parts i think yeah i, I i'm really curious about like when it comes to constructing instrumental stuff like I was listening to some Neely Brash there and just like, how did that work? Was that just, did she come up with a chord progression or did she, I don't know. I'm so interested in that. I think in terms of like writing from a, like loops and, uh, you know, technology and some of that, I think that ran for like toying out with, you know, how to build stuff, you know, loop, like drum loops or even like a looping pedal. They're both really good ways of writing songs for me anyway and um, just 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 to tear away there because neely brush will have these beautiful chord progressions and that melodies on top and i just I, i'm really interested in how that stuff is created as well because you're, you're not singing anything but it's still you have to have a good strong melody at the same time but i think it was i think it was neely who was mm-hmm. saying that it's a really good practice to be able to sing it back and and to see if you can put that in your head because and i've heard a lot of guitarists say this essentially that you have to think of the guitar as an extension of your voice and obviously you can do things your voice can't do but to be able to communicate something melodically it it helps to be able to bring that across to think that way because that's how we think we think musically in terms of a voice you know yeah, it's it's the most expressive. Most expressive. I'm curious for you, whether it's in a band situation or whether it's your own music, have you found yourself like you might play a guitar part, just, oh, hey, that's a cool thing. You record it. You come back to it a few days later and then you go, oh, my God, I, I don't even know how I played that. <laughs> and then you have to sit down and sort of like reverse engineer it. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it, especially with like, if I'm writing like slap guitar or something along those lines of acoustic stuff and, and weird altered tunings, mm-hmm. coming back to the sort of headspace I was in, it can be very difficult. But it can, yeah, I think there's also, if you can listen back to something and you can go, wow, I actually wrote and then played that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite inspiring. I also, you never know, like if you write something and you don't know how you did it, Maybe you can come up with something even better if you try to recreate it. It's it's not about being afraid of that. It's about kind of going with it. If it's if it it's about not trying to force it, I suppose. Again, coming back to that point. Yeah, yeah, I I like that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was fun. Thanks for the question. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like that was informative. I hope everyone else found it informative. At any. Yeah. I think Good. that I think that brings us to our next segment. Is is it yes. what we've been working on? Is that it? Is that it? Yes, Jim. What have you been working on? Tell me all. What have I been working on? Well, as you know, I recently purchased a cheap, but um, let's say reverse or not reverse engineered, but souped up. We'll put it that way. A cheap, but souped up seven strings. So I've been kind of picking up 
a couple of riffs here and there, a couple of dream theater riffs. There's, I have a few students who are into some tech death bands. So it seemed like a good opportunity to learn a couple of riffs, but I'm kind of curious, not just seven string, but I'm toying with this idea of trying to figure out or learning more riffs, if that makes okay. sense. Cool. So I'm kind of playing with a few ideas and just some, some classic ones that I've already known or I need to revisit. But if, if you or the listeners, anybody, you know, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, throw out some suggestions, things that I should be learning if I haven't learned already, whatever they are, just standard, standard good ones or maybe slightly obscure, but not too obscure stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of toying with this idea, not really a riff a day because that's a bit much, particularly when you get into some of the more technical stuff, but maybe one a week or three a week or something like that. I don't know. That's, that's playing with this idea. So I would like some input on it. Feel free people and Dylan to <laughs> say, Hey, you should learn this riff. Yeah, that's 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 a really good idea. I think as well. I remember uh, there's a good way of finding inspiration for that is going through. I remember when I was starting to learn bass guitar, and um, but I wanted to improve. This guy has like you know the top 100 bass of all time, and I remember just learning like looking through them and figuring out what do I know, what don't I know, and um, but Music Is Win recently put out a like a best guitar riffs of all time video. And loads of them I've never heard before. There's one Kill Switch Engage song, which I'm like, that is class. It, it incorporates like tapping and it's, it's really, really cool. So I think looking through like, you know, those best riffs of all time and seeing how many can you play is always fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, I remember learning Carry On My Wayward Son because I'm like, how have I just like, how do I not know this? Like, you know, you find these gaps in your musical vocabulary. Uh, <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. And, and I guess that's, that's part of the reason I'm kind of exploring this. Like I've learned a lot of different songs at some point or another, whether it's for a gig or it's this one thing or, or something, but just to be able to, to pull them out of thin air whenever I need them is kind of, kind of the goal behind it. But at the same time, expand my vocabulary a little bit, things that I haven't cool. played before. So. Anyway, Unreal. That's, yeah. kind of, that's one of the things I've been working on, thinking about. And yourself, what have you been, what have you been working on without a guitar? That's here? the thing. So I'd love to maybe talk about this in, in, you know, in more detail, in, in maybe a future episode, maybe we can do a topic on it, of practicing guitar without having a guitar. Mm. Um, there are very, so I have been kind of struggling with this because I, you know, I sold my four dollar guitar for uh, and made a tidy profit. I might add. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> I sold it for how much did I sell it for? I sold it for about uh, twenty dollars. What? Um, yeah, Joe, uh, you know, if you're listening, I'm sorry that I sold you down the river, but you didn't know how much I paid for that. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so yeah it's um it's yeah so anyway I, since selling that i've been looking for ways that i could keep my head involved in songwriting and guitar without actually just listening to music what else can i do so there's a few different things i've been doing i've been watching some yen's videos and seeing if i can you know, yen's larson friend of the show uh, he has a really good one that came out recently called three ways to use to add arpeggios in your jazz licks because i've been trying to my, you know, knowledge of arpeggios. Um, Jim Little talked about it last week about you know the importance of arpeggios. I mean, there's so many different YouTube channels to choose from, but it's all about kind of finding out, you know, what can you use without actually having a guitar. Another one that I really enjoyed is um, a couple of podcasts. There's one called uh, I have it here written down. Um, so it's the Holistic Songwriting Podcast. Uh, but you know, there's it's not like holistic as in natural i think <laughs> english isn't his first language so yeah um, he has this really good episode called uh, adding fancy chords to your vocabulary and it's basically about how to um write chord progressions that aren't just the one four five you know six stuff right. so it's it's all about kind of a so i remember just listening to that and going can i hum those 
he'd like talk about, okay, well, instead I'm going to use this. I'm going to use like a, a one flat two stuff. And listeners, if this makes no sense to you, that's totally fine. It's just something that I've been uh, just working on. Um, just being able to basically maybe sing those progressions in my head without the use of a guitar. It's really hard, but it's something that I've been working on. So yeah, I think uh, just basically trying to improve my theoretical knowledge uh, so that when I do finally get a guitar in my hands and I can maybe use the stuff that I've been picking up. But John, what have you been listening to? What have I been listening to? I have not been listening to a whole lot of guitar music over the last week. So I've spent speaking of creating melodies and that sort of thing. One of two of my favorite piano or piano composers, I guess would be a way to put it. Eric Satie and okay yes yeah so whose melodies i think are just gorgeous and his chords are his his harmonies are simple but there's enough complexity in there to kind of keep things interesting and he tends to choose really open very nice so where would i where should i start on satie um you probably already know his gymno no Go. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna totally. Gymnopide, I think, is how you say it. I. But uh, that's the. Yeah, it's. G y m n o p e d i e. So the the first one you'll 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 recognize it instantly. So, I see. Yeah, that's that's a really common one, but the, the melody is really beautiful. And then Ravel is one of my favorites as well. There's loads of his piano. And yeah. Broadening your musical horizons. Yeah. I, I would say like Ravel's, Ravel's really known for things like his Bolero and things like that. And I've heard that. Yeah. I know yeah, that everyone's heard the Bolero. And to me, I don't know. <laughs> Ugh, it's, it's kind of uh, meh. It's boring, but because I'm an ass. That's yeah. why. <laughs> oh, the bolero. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't like the bolero. I like the bolero before it was cool. There you go. Yeah. yeah you're exactly. Have the beard for it and everything. Uh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. You're a little pipe. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Nevertheless, yeah, Ravel's got some awesome stuff, of course, things like Le Tombeau de Coupra, you know, things like that. But his his stuff, uh, things like, uh, what, what's, it, what's it called? Basically, Joy of Water or Fountain of Water is the, uh, oh, Jeu d'eau, which is actually water or the game of water, I guess, is what it <laughs> translate as. Whatever. Basically, it sounds like, it sounds kind of like a babbling brook. It's cool. Cool. Kind of, yeah. Kind of all over. Peaceful. The but anyway, yeah, his miroirs are good as well. So definitely check out some Ravel. Check out some Satie, some early 20th century French pianist composers. At any rate. Okay, so that's that's me. But listening to it for different harmonic ideas, different, uh, different melodic ideas. And that's kind of where I am with that. What about you? So I have three recommendations for albums that I've been listening to kind of while traveling. Uh, one old one from last year and one from two weeks ago. And the first one is, I think I mentioned it on the show a few weeks ago, but as a guitar album, it's, uh, phenomenal it's uh them crooked vultures which is the super group of dave Grohl, josh homme and john paul jones now i think i mentioned this a few weeks ago but the guitar and the riffs and the it's i just early john paul jones wrote half the music on it and it's so good it's just so in your face and it's just like proggy queens of the stone age i love it Ooh, ooh that's uh, so good you you yeah. over already that's yeah, it. have you not heard that album? I haven't listened to it, no. Oh man, it's I think they only put out the one album and it's it's so cool cuz it's such a fleeting thing like they got together, they made an album, they did a tour and like it's done. Like, you know, and people have called for them to try and make something new but I think John Paul Jones is off writing a symphony or something. He's a freak. Um 
The next album is uh, A Deeper Understanding by the band uh, The War on Drugs, which, like, as a guitar, as a tone nerd, if you are a tone nerd, you have to listen to the guitar tone on this album. It is beautiful. There are, I've heard, like, I've read reviews of critics going, I don't know what he's doing with the guitar, but in this section, it makes me cry. Uh, you know, it's and what's just, the name it, of the album again? It's called uh, A Deeper Understanding by The War on Drugs. It's like, imagine if uh, Tom Petty got a uh, hundred delay pedals. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, I, I think it's all, as far as I know, it's all basically like four or five chord songs, but just the, the arpeggios and the tone is just beautiful. Really, really nice. Really, like, just nice background music as well. But if you listen, you should, listen, you should watch your man's rig rundown as well. He is such a guitar nerd. Um, for what's essentially like Sweet. adult contemporary folk. Really, really nice stuff. And my last recommendation is um, my, my boy, John Five, his new live album, It's Alive, because of course it's called It's Alive, which right. came out uh, two weeks ago, I think. Um, it's basically like a lot of highlights from his last album, uh, Season of the Witch. But it ends, John, if you listen to anything from this album, he does a guitar medley at the end where he does like hot for teacher and he does crazy train and he does like rage against the machine and <laughs> kiss. And it's all, I think it's maybe about four minutes long, but he puts maybe 20 songs in there. Uh, just like riff after riff after riff. It's, it's great. It's just him and a two piece backing band for the whole album. And as a, a guitar, as a John five worshiper, I freaking love it. So, yeah, those are my three recommendations for this week. There you go. There you go. John, we've run a bit long, but uh, I think we should maybe call it quits there. But, friends, uh, thank you very much for bearing with us. We got 80-something listeners for the last episode already, so we're really happy with that. Thank you for tuning in. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, you are all excellent. Stay excellent. Be excellent to each other. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and uh, Facebook. And if you want to Gmail us, please send us a Gmail email. And we will happily respond to that. If you have gear or recommendations or questions, please feel free to ask. Please John, anything you'd like to add? Uh, you know, I am echoing it. No, I don't think so. I, I, think, that's, uh, I think that's us. I think John yeah. done. Well done. We have working internet, so we're happy to be back with all of you. Next week, I believe we have Dylan Reich. Sweet as. Yes. So, Main man. Yeah, that, that'll be exciting. And great interview with a fingerstyle guitar player. If you're not familiar with him, do check out some of his stuff in preparation for next week. And we'll see you then. Yeah. Until then, friends, stay sharp.